Hey, hello there. Welcome back to the David Cotter Experience, um, podcast number six with Sean Holland, West Cork man. Um, and we talk everything from his own podcast, Over the Bar, which is you can get on a Saturday morning from 11 o'clock on West Cork FM, or you can get it alternatively on Spotify. Um, and Over the Bar is basically a sports podcast, and we go into a bit of sport and we go into a bit about his own podcast and how he got started in it. Um, other things we touch on is Ali the right man for the Man United job and is Tyson Fury, does he go down as one of the greats now following his win or following his win over Deontay Wilder? Um, so without further ado, podcast number six, here we go. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And so, my fellow Americans, Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Maradona just walked away from Motherland. Maradona smoked him. With the age of 20, I went to London and I won the Mr. Universe contest as the youngest Mr. Universe ever. And it was because I had a goal. Let me tell you this, the older you do get, the more rules are going to try to get you to follow. <laughs> you just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. You know, when I go to sleep at night, I'm not just a guy going to sleep. I'm two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey going to get some well-needed shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't just dream any old dream. No, sir. I dream about being three-time Golden Globe winning actor Jim Carrey. Warning, you got some more in you. 21, yeah, get it again. Come on, we want to see it. Good, 22. Who's going to carry the boats and the logs? A man is supposed to take care of his family because it's my duty to take care of you. I owe a responsibility to you. This is the calm before the storm, before the surge. And when it comes, and it will come, never will so many ask so much of so few. Wouldn't go in there, Mr. Holland. How are you? Not too bad, Dave. Thanks for um, thanks for letting me on. No problem at all. Um, I suppose first and foremost, you've recovered from your weekend above in the Jazz. Christ, I have. Jesus, yeah, we're we're still feeling the effects of it. Jesus, Wednesday now we're feeling it a couple of days into it. Oh, good old weekend, but all right, but. Jesus, I don't know. I don't know either. Like the the queues and everything for the place, tis um, tis a bit mad. Tis a bit mad. But look, sure, to, we're we're glad yeah. to have like that nowadays. For God's sake. Yeah, I suppose that was always going to be the case. Um, and might I just tell everyone that's listening that we had to postpone it because Sean was in such a bad way yesterday. So his hang- <laughs> so his hangover was so bad it lasted until the Tuesday. You were bad enough yourself by size as fifty fifty. I had I had a bit too much stout at um. At a family wedding, but um, better. I'm not used to it, you see. I'd say as we're getting older, but it's getting tougher. I know, and th- and that's something else to say. Like at the age of 25, like Stop. or 24, 25, like that we're getting too old for it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like uh, the college days there, and it seemed like we were different animals altogether. That's for sure. Jesus, two, three nights a week, no problem at all. Like. Yeah, no, and just a couple of we a couple of days in the weekend, no one were rattled for nearly the full week. Oh God, I'm yeah, you you wouldn't really miss it. Anyway, I suppose we better get it get down to the meaty bit. Um, your podcast or um over the bar restarted our new season at the at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, got into a new season again there. Um, last Saturday. So yeah, delighted to have it back. Um, you know, I I did it. Um, I did it with uh Peter O'Mani. The uh, the rugby player Ireland the Munster, but um, what you call it, it was great to be back. I took a hiatus there in um, in May. I kind of went in a ten week segment, and um, you know, kind of took a break for myself. Then I'd be playing, you know, the sport at home with Barry Rose. So 
I said I'd take a small break, um, but I, I, I did mention on, on the podcast when I came back that um, I was planning on coming back kind of halfway through the summer because um, there was a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, Killian Lawton, who was um, battling illness at the time. And I was looking to do something, to you know, to kind of lift his mood and kind of, you know, um, take his mind off things. But um, unfortunately, things didn't go the right way. And um, we never got a chance to do it uh, together, which, you know, it's just fairly heartbreaking. But um, I came back there on Saturday and did it, um, did it in honour him and his family. But um, it was something small, it was something I, I just wanted to do myself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I suppose just on that as well. Um, I knew Killian not too well myself, but I knew him just enough to say a lot and you couldn't meet a nicer lad. So um, mm-hmm. I thought that was a very nice touch as well. Just at the end there, you're a little bit, you're a little bit about him um, wherever he is. He's probably listening and I thought mm-hmm. that was very nice to add in. Um, um, but your, your podcast in itself is all about sport. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, anything and everything sports related. Um I don't really kind of like have a specific niche. I pretty much go at whatever's on that week uh, in terms of looking at what I do is kind of a, a preview the week previous and say do a review then um, the following week of uh, any anything that came up in the sporting world. Um, so when it was my first week back, I can almost did um, a kind of a summer review you know i just got to kind of like the sounds of the summer and bits and pieces like that you know sure we had the euros we had the olympics the lions sure we, we had the ga and everything so um kind of did a bit of that i'll be going into it a bit more in the weeks to come but um yeah i don't really kind of like um have a focal point sport i kind of treat, keep it as broad as i can you know to kind of suit all listeners taste you know because if i just talked about soccer if I just talked about GA you know it's not giving yourself a lot of wiggle room especially when you're trying to get on a guest every week so the fact that I can you know dip and dive into each and every sport gives me a, a broader um broader range of guests and interviews I can uh, I can hold in as well myself you mentioned there as well about the getting on the guests like to have the likes of Peter Romani and like Sean Og just to mention a couple like you've obviously had a long list of other ones but like mm-hmm. I presume that takes a lot of work logistically for you, like out of your week as well, you know, organizing them. Cause I know myself and I've only had kind of more or less friends on so far, like mm. that there's a lot of work getting in contact with people and finding a time that suits and stuff like that. Like, so it's, there a, is. It's a, there's a lot of work in it. Like there is, there is, that's the kind of like the behind the scenes work that you probably, I know you do yourself there. Now you're friends and you get a few other fellas. You're probably going to start venturing into fellas. You won't know personally yourself to know. And that's kind of, um, I was listening to you there last week and you're on your own on about getting people's time and you got to be really appreciative of it, you know, because like you're, you're doing a podcast, what I'm doing is, um, is a podcast as well, you know, on Spotify, but it's, it's community radio. It airs first on um, West Cork FM. So it's a community radio. It's people are doing it as a hobby. You know, I'm getting no money out of it. I'm getting no financial benefit out of it. It's purely just as a hobby, doing you know, an interest in something I just love doing, you know, so these people are coming on, you know, as you said, I've got a couple of big names, all right, um, you know, just being down to these people, being down to art, honest people, you know, who are just saying, you know, I help this lad out, you know, and it's purely where I've gotten all the contacts. I've I've yet to actually message someone, you know, on social media and say, you know, will you come on? It's pure kind of like find a guy who knows a guy, you know, um, yeah, every yeah, yeah. contact I've had, I've kind of known someone. Either I've known the sports person themselves or I've uh, know someone who's actually put me in contact with them. And you got to be very grateful to those people as well who kind of are almost your link man in between it. So, you know, you have to be kind of like very, you know, very thankful to these people for giving up their time because they're they're giving up their time. They're giving up whatever their 15, 20 minutes a week, you know, to just um, help me out. And, you know, you got to be you got to be very thankful for things like that, you know. Yeah, that was definitely something I noticed, you know, was the how much you should appreciate the other person on the other side of the line as well. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're telling their story or whatever, maybe you're like you're get, getting the gain out of it, not really them. So, yeah. you know, that that was the main thing for me, kind of. And I, I kind of had to take a step back because I was kind of like, you know, at the start, I was kind of like, why aren't people, you know, texting me back or, you know, getting back to me straight away? Mm hmm these other people have lives as well like you know and, and most of them are busier than mine Do you know that kind of way like you you just have to kind of put things in perspective as well but um 
that was more about me being a fucking bit of a dope when I started <laughs> first. Um, but anyway, um, is you say like it's West Cork FM is a community radio. Do you mm-hmm. is is the kind of like obviously what you're doing now is you're you're basically a news outlet for people as well like and it's airing on a Saturday evening I suppose what it's kind of for me what I thought of straight away when I kind of heard it it was quite like the big red bench you know mm-hmm. on Red FM mm-hmm. um and is is the sports reporting or slash journalism like is that something that you were kind of looking you know maybe a couple of years ahead at or is it just something at the moment you're doing as a hobby and you have kind of the blinkers on you have not you don't really have anything else in mind it's just at the moment you like talking about sport you like meeting sports people you like delving into issues about sport with them mm-hmm. yeah yeah like um pretty much when i started it up it was geez it was early last year and sure we were back in a lockdown i remember um after christmas and sure you remember those times dave yourself like and anybody listening all that was in our brains was turning on the rt news at six o'clock and learning about case numbers and oh have they gone up today no have they gone down today what's the story when are the pubs opening back up you know what it was the same conversations you still have it in your mind about the pubs oh stop (laughs) that'll never leave the mind in here for god's sake um but like it was kind of the same you know conversations with people and you know kind of like it was getting a bit monotonous all this COVID talk as well at the start of the year last year so I was there like um like I I'd, I'd known people who were set up the um West Cork FM radio station so I was like Do you know what I'm gonna go in and kind of get myself a hobby there now during the week because you couldn't go training every fellow was locked inside indoors and um I said look I'll go away there now and um buy a bit of podcast gear and um get on to the lad in the radio and um, ask him will I do a Saturday sports show to be on it's on 11 o'clock in the morning and um, on Saturday mornings and um, he just gave me the half an hour slot there you know it gives you plenty of time you pretty much have the whole weekend then to look at but um, yeah it was pure just out of like interest in sport as a start because you know wherever you are in the workplace you have your basics you have you know the weather is bad you know what mm-hmm. you do weekend and everything but like especially like you have you have for girls as well who would have the interest in it but like but mainly like if you were uh, lads in the workplace talk about the the premier league games at the weekend talk about the rugby talk about the gats it's a good kind of like conversation starter or even kind of getting a relationship with someone you know and my whole thought process behind the name as well it had almost had a double entendre you know you have the the fact of you know the sporting version of putting the ball over the bar but you also have the kind of the version of talking to someone you know over the bar you know and say, I was waiting for it yeah yeah and you have the you have the initials then OTB as well which go along hand in hand as well but um yeah so like it started off as a hobby Dave but you know I'm like I'm very comfortable in the work I mean at the moment I've carved myself a nice old path in the finance industry you now um and I'm very content where I am at the moment but you know the more and more you kind of like get the taste for it the more and more you're saying geez I wouldn't mind you know talking about sport for a living you know it's mm. it it has its benefits and especially when you start keep building up contacts as well eventually someone might actually see you know this lad this lad knows a few people he might be handy to us you know you never know but sure look I'm very content you know working away at the moment and doing this on the side you know it, it's um it's grand at the moment you know yeah and I think as well there just to mention as well fair play to if we're actually starting because I know myself from doing this and I think if you've listened to my first podcast, I was fucking a bit of a bag of nerves, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And it does like I don't know, if, I don't know about you, but for me starting it, it took a lot of balls because you know that, especially there will be people that will listen to it just to hear you kind of fuck up almost. Do you know mm-hmm. that kind of way? But there will also be people that'll be interested, and you know, I think as well, just to put yourself out there is a massive thing. Yeah, you know, you're out there in the in the public area people can criticize you or you know we'd say you're actually a brilliant speaker now but if you have a stutter if you have anything or even if you make a cock up now I know we can go back and edit these things mm-hmm. but there's still you know little nuances you know that slip but um I just think it was um I think I think it's personally very good for confidence like oh it is massive massive like I naturally enough no like I'd I'd be I'd be a shy enough person like I wouldn't be like obviously um you know you, you gain the confidence through the radio but I I wouldn't have been like you know even through my youth there I wouldn't have been like totally you know 
outgoing person, you know, in terms of even such things like, I don't know, with yourself, you know, social media there, I'd have been very kind of hesitant at the start, like, you know, kind of like even putting up stories and things, you know, I'd kind of promote the show because they'd be like, geez, what does that bloody fool from Cormac Shirley know about sport? You know, one end of the hurley from the next, like, do you know what I mean? And yeah, but it's kind of, it's kind of looking past that because, you know, people like all I've got is positive feedback, you know, from, from it, you know, people kind of commending and, and that's great to hear as well. Like I'm sure you you've got tons of it as well. You know, it's it's nice to hear that as well. Obviously, the bigger you get, you know, the more chance you're gonna there's gonna be people wanting to knock you down. But like, you know, you have people who will be behind you from the start, and that's always great to have. Mm. I found as well, like it's you kind of have to kind of separate your ego because for like the likes of myself or you, now you're at it a bit longer. But for me, you know, all I was getting was or all I am getting kind of at the moment is still positive you know people are just texting me back you know geez fair play well done or whatever mm-hmm. but you know at the same time like when you're listening to it back well I know when I'm listening to myself back I'm like there are a lot of imperfections there that I can iron out you know that people probably maybe people just don't pick up on them but I'm obviously more critical but you know like your ego doesn't inflate you know after the first one and the second one and you're getting all these good comments and you're getting a lot of listens and you're kind of Jesus Christ you know like this is really going somewhere but you kind of have to I found to detach from that again and kind of like work on your own craft you know it's it's great to get the 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 plaudits like but you kind of have to be critical as well so I always try and write down a couple of bits and pieces about myself like afterwards what I like or what I dislike or what I think I should do more of do you find Mm -hmm. that that's kind of the case with yourself as well yeah like I, I'd go to even people like you know closest to me and it'd be kind of like you know if like especially at the start not so much no because I've almost kind of um I've almost got an understanding of what what to do and what not to do but like even people in the radio there and a couple of their friends and a family and they'd be like you know was this all right you know could I have done better here do you know and um like it's it's nice to hear constructive criticism every so often as well. You know, people come in with ideas like um, I know it's it's grand there, especially like I notice it myself. It's very easy for me to do the interview part, but um, like doing the part at the start to you know when you're talking to yourself, you know, especially about sport, like a, a lot of the, 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 you know, how people get into it and get talk about sport is kind of, you know, the back and forth about it, you know, the kind of the give and take, you know, you don't want someone that's agreeing with you the whole time, you know. If you went, mm-hmm. if you went out with friends and you're just talking about, you know, geez, Liverpool are great, and the other fellow be like, yeah, geez, they're great, and then, and then you kind of like, yeah, you want someone to say like, geez, do you know what? Fuck it, I fucking hate Liverpool, you know. <laughs> I, yeah. I thought they were fucking very poor last weekend. You get that kind of like give and take, and you, you have an, a good friendly argument over it. But um, yeah, that's one thing with you know when you're doing it on your own, it's it's kind of a small bit harder to almost um, expand on things and kind of get a, when you get a different view on things, you kind of almost expand your, your knowledge of the, of almost the sport itself as well. Like, yeah. And I suppose like, especially when you're talking to someone about sport, like it it can, like, obviously it's an argument and a debate, especially among friends, but sometimes you'll be talking to someone and what you're actually getting to is closer to a more perfect opinion than yours. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that, like, you know, we all have perfect opinions, but what you're doing is when there's the other side of the argument, you're kind of working towards a more, you know, I suppose, acceptable opinion. You know, like you said there, Liverpool are great, but someone might say, oh, Jesus, Salah is not as good, or what's the name? Man is not as good as last season. You know, so, mm-hmm. like, you know, you being a Liverpool supporter will just gloss over all that, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying for an example now, but, you know, it's that's why the two and throwing is good. And I noticed last week, I kind of, I purposely put myself into that situation where I didn't have anyone else on the side of it on purpose just to see how I would do. And like, it's absolutely madness. Like I'm sitting here in the same room and I'm just, it's so much easier to to and fro with you now than it was by myself. But I was like, you know, if I can flesh something out by myself in my mind, talking into a mic by myself, I was like, that'll stand me in good stead for when I'm talking to someone else next time. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, um, but anyway, back, back to your podcast. We're getting very kind of um, philosophical here. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, what was I going to ask you? I have something wrote down here about um, interviewing the likes of Peter O'Manny. Like these guys have, are decorated sportsmen. You know, Sean Oak, the same. Like mm-hmm. how, like, you know, I'm, I still get half nervous when, you know, I'm thinking about what question I'm going to ask next. Now, obviously, you probably have a set number of questions that you're going to ask and you know them. 
but is there a part of you kind of like what should I call him or what should I, you know, are you yeah, kind of like... Yeah, yeah you, but it, what, what helps in that respect as well is that, um, like, obviously, when it's being a recording of an interview, um, kind of a small kind of like five minutes beforehand to almost kind of break the ice, you know, talk away and kind of like see how they're getting on before you get into it kind of almost helps rather than going straight into it. It would be very kind of... Um, you know be stagnant and be kind of almost awkward but what helped a lot as well you know even just getting comfortable under it was you know my first couple of interviews that I started off with were people that I actually knew like because my my first ever um show was with um Joan and Phil Healy who would be like my first cousins mm-hmm. and then like I had Tom Morrissey who, who I'd be friends with then as well you know and then you had Robbie Kiley who was in the same club as me you know and Kind of, I got about three or four under my belt there with fellas that I actually know and be comfortable talking to. And then I moved on to the names of the fellas, you know, that like I wouldn't have known, but still they're, you know, they're honest to God of people. They're giving you their time, you know, so like, you know, they don't have their head in the clouds, like, which is which is very ha- helpful when you're talking to them in an interview. So, yeah, it, there there is a kind of small bit of a, a bit of a pressure before, you know, when you're making the call, the heart is beating a small bit fast as well, you know. You <laughs> That's don't want, you don't want to sound like a langer either and not know your stuff like so I do a good mm. bit of kind of preparation beforehand and kind of understand my bits and pieces before actually diving into it if you, if you get me yeah yeah and so are, did, did, did you notice a marked difference in yourself before the phone call we'll say after episode four I think you were saying there um did you notice a marked like difference in yourself so when you were taking on them episodes and they're like you got a yeah. second a second nerve you would you would like um it's it's the fact that you've kind of got a few under your belt now and you've broken the ice like I remember Jesus I remember I was gassed the, the first um the first ever interview I did now with Joan and Phil um I remember it was coming on that that morning and the radio and Jesus it was on at 11 o'clock in on a Saturday morning it was the first one like and everyone's going to listen to the first one like do you know what I mean and I remember there being there at half ten and my heart was beating out of my chest. I ended up having to have a hot toddy in the morning at about half ten or eleven. And and uh, the brother had come back from shopping, like, and he was like, What the fuck are you doing? And I was like, I can't, man. The fucking nerves are shocking, like, you know, because oh, you're putting as you said, you're putting yourself out there, like, and on top of when you're going when you know you're doing a podcast, you know, you're gonna have friends listening to you at start, but this is going on to the radio where you have other people around West Cork actually listening to you as well. So Jesus, I remember my heart was beating a hundred miles an hour that morning. So um Vinci, yeah, when I got over those two or three at the start, um things got a lot easier and you know, people knew what to expect of me and I knew what to expect of myself and and it helped big time. Did you find it was kind of weird interviewing your cousins like in club mates? Like was was that strange or did you did you kind of have to like separate yourself like and say, geez, I'm Sean, I'm a reporter now, I'm not Phil and you know, I'm not their cousin anymore, like. Yeah, yeah, you had to kind of have that kind of break up, like you couldn't start talking about, you know, how granny's getting on or anything like that, you know. <laughs> you had to kind of like, you know, stick strictly to the sport. You got to think of like, who's actually listening to this, you know, it's not just, it's just, just ma'am that's listening to this, no, or their ma'am, you know, or anything like that, you know. So it's it's kind of a case of know your audience, know your listenership, like how they're going to view it as well. So you're going to have to go into that reporter mode, as you said, all right. So you you obviously don't do, do you use video call for your recordings? No. No, WhatsApp. It'd be WhatsApp um over Bluetooth then. So it's it's just strictly audio, yeah. Yeah, so obviously you don't get to see your cousin's faces. So like no. when you're when you're acting the serious man in the Exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no um there's no messing behind the camera or anything like that, you know. So it's kind of that that you could say in a respect nearly makes it even harder because you I could ask a question there and you like you don't know how they could react to it. Like last week there, I asked Peter Romani about like, um, you know, getting dropped from the Lions. You know, he was mm-hmm. capped first test. And I was like, you know, like here, boy, you got dropped there for a test two and three. Do you know, what was the story? Yeah, I heard oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, them fellas mightn't want to answer that, you know, in fairness, he did answer it, you know, and you get, you get like good quality interviews out of it. Then that way, like I've never been afraid to ask a, a fella a question about his career, like, but when you're not face to face, like you know, over a Zoom call or something like that, you're like, geez, I'd know what way this fella could have take take this now. But um, the fella you know, could give you the middle finger over the Zoom call could, like, and just talk like, away. No, yeah. Like fuck this fella in here. Like do I have to do I have to answer this? But no, to be fair, um, they they've answered all the questions they've asked, right? But um, yeah, it, it it's probably um it's probably a bit easier, right? If you're actually looking at the person, you know. But um, it's uh, it I seem to have no problems so far, any going through with the WhatsApp. 
And another question. There's only one man on the list. Has it gotten two weeks out of it? He must have been the right motor mode, was he? We, oh, Sean Ogle. Sean, yeah. oh, Sean Ogle talk for Ireland. Ah, he's great, though. To be fair, no, like, he's, his story is as good as any Irish sports person's, you know. It's it's massive, like, but, geez, Sean Ogle, yeah, I remember, um, I remember, and I called him, and I was like, uh, you kind of, as you know yourself, when you're looking down at the time, you're like, geez, how long are we talking for? And I saw then, geez, we were about 90 minutes, <laughs> and I was like, I'm getting hungry here, Sean Ogle, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> I know he's he's a dead on man, you know, he's he's a hundred percent all right, you know, and um like his story has so many aspects to it, like it had so many twists and turns, especially coming from over from Australia and you know, being born in Fiji and everything, there's so many aspects to it. But you get that you get that when you're interviewing people. Some people might give you short winded answers, you know, and you kinda have mm-hmm. to think on your feet then, you know, how am I gonna twist this into the next question? Do you know, or some fellas might take a bit longer. And you might say, geez, you know, he answered one of the questions I was going to ask him already and kind of got to be kind of thinking on your feet that way as well. Yeah, that's actually very interesting that you said there now about like the difference in the people that you have on, like, and yeah. the difference in the answers they have. On. Now, <clears throat> I was listening to the Peter Romani one again, and like he, he was he was very, he wasn't to the point, he he kind of fleshed things out. But in comparison to Sean Og, you know, there was very kind of, he was mm-hmm. just like at his own pace and he took it nice and slow where Sean Og was just, you know, he, he, it was like, he was almost just on a solo. Himself. Yeah. 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 But that, that's the kind of, that's what you get when you're, you're talking to all different personalities, all different, you know, walks of life, people coming from all, all areas, you know, and, um, like I know, I know Peter in it, like personally, and he's, um, he's never a fan of doing interviews anyway. So, you know, to be fair to the man, he, um, we, we, we got what we, we did out of him and it was, it was a brilliant interview, but yeah, like, some fellas are going to expand on it more and it makes life easier for me then as well when they are expanding on it you know it is just kind of almost you're getting more out of them than you actually originally planned on and it's good that way yeah so then I suppose just moving on um in your like editing then and stuff like because I'm just I'm kind of listening to yours there again over the weekend some of the other ones that I hadn't listened to before and like they're very crisp like you put a lot of time in like your your editing is second to none like and the sound is brilliant like you've obviously like you've obviously put a bit more money into the, the equipment than me <laughs> yeah. anyway by the sounds of it um but also the you're obviously spending a good bit of time during the week at it too are you yeah oh definitely yeah there's um there's a good bit of time actually goes into it between even the logistics part of setting up an interview you know kind of planning your whole like I have to plan my whole kind of like week around it as well, you know, when you think of it, like that's why I nearly had to take a break over the summer because like I was going down to Barry Row Tuesdays and Thursdays, we were playing hurling and football and, you know, on the weekends I'm working, you know, at one stage there as well, I was managing Cormac's soccer team as well. So I was, I was all go there in June and July. So it was a kind of case of, right, I have to take a break here because I just can't fit everything in. So it's, it's a lot easier now when we're finished um the GA season. Like, you know, I'm at home every evening that way then. Um, but it does take a lot of kind of almost scheduling as well. And the editing part of it, it was kind of that was pretty much at the start, kind of before I even started, got a good understanding of how to use, you know, my um even what I have there now with the the roadcaster and um even understanding audacity then with the editing and you know that kind of um part of it, you know. Just took a bit of understanding at the start, but it paid dividends in the end because it's nearly, um, you know, nearly as, as easy as it gets now because you've just been at it so long. But um, yeah, there's there's a good bit of effort and time goes into it. Geez, I'd say I was I was up. I remember um, I interviewed John Murphy there, the golfer, um, one week, and he was over in America at the time. He was just finished the Walker Cup, and like. I only got hold of him because he was on the Walker Cup the weekend before. And because, it, you know, it's such a prestigious event and I went to the game the week after, he um, he could only do it on like the Thursday evening. So I remember the editing on the Friday to try and get it out the Friday night to get on air for the Saturday morning. I was down for training and back up the road again because we were training on a Friday. I was back up the road again at half 11 and even editing till about four in the morning to just get it out there for 11 o'clock, you know, the next Saturday morning because I had a deadline. But um, that kind of thing, you know, it's it's a bit of hard work, but, you know, it, it's fruitful in the end of it. It is. It is, in fairness. And like like I was saying there, obviously, to start, you know, like myself, um, and thanks again to you for giving me a hand with the audacity and things like that. 
but like that is that definitely took me like and as simple as it is the intro took me for four or five hours like you know because there's just you know you're splicing out little bits and things like that and then you know even with even with the podcasts there isn't like there isn't much you have to edit out anyway but you know there is certain things that someone might say that you'll have to edit out and to go back through that now I normally write down the time that it happens here because I have the time up in the thing in front of me but even to to edit out small bits you're having to listen through maybe 10-15 minutes worth of soundbite and stuff like that and then you listen to it through anyway just Mm -hmm. for you know your imperfections or whatever but it's it is seriously time consuming and I just thought the quality of yours was very good like for someone that's obviously so busy as well themselves um yeah yeah soundbite there's your stroke away the ego there and it's great that's it blow, blowing you up Mike. That's um, it, yeah. anyway i suppose we can't have um west cork's um premium sports commentator or um pundit on without talking about the big hammering that united got at the weekend thoughts yeah. on that jesus is brilliant yeah <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> yeah as a liverpool fan now you know that result couldn't have gone any better do you what would make it even better now is if they kept um, Solskjaer in charge, but I just can't see that happening. I I think that's the straw that broke the camel's back, I'd say. It looks like it, all right. But I was actually like, because I'm Arsenal, which is very, fairly unfortunate as well at the moment. But, you know, it's I was watching, like, I love seeing United get hammered. I, that's one of the things I love most, you know, about <laughs> sport is seeing United lose. But there was a certain part of me when I got to 4-0 at half time. I was actually feeling sorry for Solskjaer. Like I was like, this poor man here now. He has probably, you know, he's probably has the squad-wise, he's one of the best squads in the Premier League, if not Europe, like mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt. But he cannot come to work together at all. And I just thought I was like the poor man, like he's full of superstars and he can't do anything. Kind of, I suppose, in a less, in a less kind of. Um, I suppose, spoken about way. It's kind of a galactical kind of job that United have at the moment, I think, anyway. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I definitely agree with that. It, it's it's such a prestigious role. Like, it's it's one of the top jobs in football, you know, in terms of, like, club football. Anyway, there's not much bigger than actually getting the Man United job. But, like, he never really came from, like, a, a background of, like, big, you know, management jobs, you know, like, so it, it was always going to be tough for him, but like as you said, there you're looking at the squad. Like there, if they put out a second team, that team wouldn't be far off, you know, being up towards the the top half of the table. Like you know, just even some of the names that they'd be pulling out, like and even their signings. But they're after spending so much money in the club. But there's a few bits and pieces you'd be kind of half wary about, like your man Van de Beek there, not getting a look in at all, just 40 million for a lad, you know, to warm the the, the bench, you know, and hmm. bits and pieces like that would make you wonder. Is he good enough for the job? And it's quite clear now, you know, he he just isn't like, you know, like Mourinho before him did a lot more with a lot less, if you get me. Mm-hmm. You know, he was winning titles. He was up towards the top challenging for the league with without the squad that Solskjaer has now. But like, it's a thing where, I don't know, I don't know if you saw there now last week, even like their performances, they've been getting kind of wins. They've been kind of like sneaking out. I don't know if you saw there last week. Paul Skulls, um, he was uh, looking there last week at the, I suppose the best way to put it now in Paul Skulls' term this week, a nail-biting performance against um, Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Um, He was on about saying that if they played like that against Liverpool on the weekend, the way they did against Atlanta, it's like, you know, all the Man United fans were celebrating everything, but he was like, if they play like that against Liverpool on the weekend, they'll be three or four nil down at halftime. And that's exactly what happened. Like, there's fellas that are, like, in the club. They know the the ins and outs of the club. They know when things are going well and they know when things aren't going well. And it's quite clear that things aren't going well there. So they're playing, what is it, Tottenham the weekend. Then they have City and Chelsea to come as well and have to go away to Atlanta again. I can't see him being there past the Tottenham game. If the Tottenham game goes south, there's no way. There's no way he can stay. But it, it's kind of the thing with Man United. Because it's such a huge club, like, when they get rid of a manager, it isn't, is it isn't a thing like, you know, if a team in the, the League One or League Two are getting rid of a manager where they, you know, they chop them straight away. They know there's so many ramifications and there's such uh, an effect on 
you know, every aspect of the club and the city that will take place when they get rid of a manager. They know there's such, um, you know, a big fall off from it that mm-hmm. they got to be absolutely clear. So what they're doing at the moment, they're they're looking at replacements at the moment. I have no doubt about it. That's what they're doing at the moment. They're trying to find the right man. And once they have him pretty much locked up, they'll get rid of, um, they'll get rid of Ali. But if he's there after a Tottenham game and they lose, it would be crazy on their part. And to be honest, though, like they, there's something about Man United as well. Um, to me, it just doesn't seem right if you get a, a Conte who will come in for a season or, two, well, maybe three seasons. He doesn't last much longer than that anywhere. Now, that to me doesn't sound like a Man United fit. I don't know about Zidane, like they're mentioning him as well now. Mm-hmm. Like four, is it four Champions Leagues he has? Like, I mean, if he came in, you'd be hoping something would happen. You'd think for the likes of Pogba, he might get him going. Varane, all these guys who are kind of underperforming at the moment, you'd hope that he'd get them going. But again, he doesn't exactly seem like a Man United type of mould. Mm-hmm. To me, there's only like the most glaring one, and he doesn't even have much silverware to his name in England, would be Brendan Rodgers. Like, you know, he's... He's British, you know, in the sense that, like, he speaks English, you know. <laughs> but um, he is British. He's Northern Irish, isn't he? Yeah, um, Northern Irish, yeah. But he's the only one, to me, that really fits them all. You know, he's, you know, he plays even kind of like a Fergie-style football, the flying kind of wing-backs and things like this, you know. He's he's the only one that you look at and say, you know, it seems like a good fit. The other lads, like Man United, you know, I suppose they're an old-fashioned club. They don't want to be chopping and changing as much as they have over the last couple of years. And I suppose that's kind of a sign of the kind of um, the tremors after or the aftershocks after Ferguson leaving anyway. There was always going to be this kind of period of um, of of um, an intermittence there where there was kind of nothing happening. But geez, he left the club in a good enough state. I think they'd won the Premier League by 11 points or something like that, wasn't it? They had won it that year, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't like he left a club that was falling to pieces. Mm. You know, in like in Arsenal's, we'll say in, the other example would be Ar- after Arsene Wenger left, who were clearly in a downward spiral. They were finishing fourth, fifth, and then it was sixth his final season. You know, he was clearly, the club was digressing. Whereas, you know, it's it's a bit kind of... Um, they're in lingo, like. There they, is, they, they are definitely in a limbo, limbo. yeah. It, you 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 just don't really know if they're if they're title challengers yet or if they're kind of like still a bit away. It, like if you just look at the squad alone, the money they've spent in it, it should be a title winning squad. Like you know they they have the names, they have the the ability. It's just trying to find the right man to almost piece that together. And I think it's just I know as a soldier's nature, even just looking at the man. Obviously, we would know him personally, no orienty about him, but he just he just looks like a soft touch. He just mm. looks like, you know, he's not the kind of fella to fuck a fella out of it that he's going to, he's going to pull up his socks, you know, and, and get training the next day and, and put in an effort to try and uh, make it up to him. You know, he's not that intimidating kind of character. And I think that just is going to filter down through the squad then. And mm-hmm. fellas were getting, I'd say are getting very kind of comfortable. Then he, I'd say he almost has his favorites within the squad. You can see it there. Like, Fred there and McTominay in the middle, like sure for God's sake, with the money they're spending, you know, especially the Fred, the Fred character there, he is not up to it at all, you know. So mm. you have them fellas who are nearly his favourites. They're probably they probably don't talk back to him, or they they might be um they might be just there from like day one in in his head, but um they need some fella to come in with fresh mind, fresh ideas, and almost um you know go from scratch. Yeah, I suppose for them now it's not even long term. It's just kind of get them back up somewhere, you know, like competitive. Like, because even last year, like, was they finished second last season, like, but they still weren't really competitive with Man City, like, either at the same time, you know, they were like, it was just Man City by themselves. Even even now, like, I think the top three in the Premier League is Chelsea, Liverpool, and Man City. They're all on, I think it's 22, 21, 20, and you've West Ham on 17. And like it to me, it already looks like it's pulling away into a three horse race. Now that's early to say that, like in November, mm-hmm. but it's it's looking like they're pulling away almost already, or it's getting ready because from West Ham down to Ar- or I think from Brighton down to Arsenal, there's one point separating fifth from tenth. You know, mm-hmm. so like you the the best of the rest, I suppose, is what they kind of say. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Man United we want something to happen fairly soon because I think. To be honest, they were everyone's nailed on number three slash four for this season. But 
the way they're going at the moment, it doesn't really look like they're going to be second fifth slash sixth. Do you know what I mean? If this kind of continues, because they're playing a lot worse than they were last season. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely at the moment. And sure, even being an Arsenal fan yourself, you saw the disastrous start he had, and you're literally on their tails already. Like so, that's that's saying a lot for where they are at the moment. So. I'd say sooner rather than later, we're going to be looking at um, looking at a management change, but it's a big gas, right, that Liverpool are the crowd to do it to him. Again, like, to his, to his clop to Mourinho the last day, he's almost like a Grim Reaper kind of character now towards Man United managers. So he's started to get rid of him, you know, but, um, yeah, I can't see him being there a bit longer, anyhow. I saw the man, like, clap, clap, doesn't give a shit, like, at the end of the match, then, like, all the Liverpool supporters delighted over in the corner of, like, in Old Trafford, like, and Klopp running over, getting them to roar, like, and poor old Lally Gunnar Solskjaer probably gone crying into the into the, the dressing room, like. Yeah, poor fucker. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts there, then, on, like, what I said there about um, the tree kind of pulling away at the top? Do you think that's the way it's going to stay for the rest of the season? Do you think that's kind of the way it's going to go? Yeah, it's looking that way anyway. It's, well, unless Man United can get their act in order, I'd say. It is, that's the way it is looking. Um Geez, those three teams, though, they look very strong. You know, um, I saw Chelsea there against Norwich, right? Norwich aren't up to much, right? But they look strong. They have a good squad. City have had a good squad for as long as we can remember. But, um, yeah, it's looking like those three are right. Um, the one thing, being a Liverpool fan, right, you'd be just wary of a couple of injuries. Liverpool squad isn't as deep as mm. Man City and Chelsea. That's probably fair enough to say, like, because... The other two teams there, they have world-class kind of replacements coming in, whereas Liverpool, they're looking at a lot of kind of youth kind of replacing. Even you look at Trent uh, coming out there, you've, you're kind of either relying on kind of Nico Williams, very young fellow to come in, or even James Milner, who nearly plays, nearly played goalkeeper for you soon. You know, it's kind of, yeah. they're very they're very light on the squad, but Liverpool starting 11 and two or three subs are high quality. So if they stay injury-free, they're definitely going to be up there as well. I think like my my the way I'm looking at it at the moment, I see like Liverpool playing the way they were the season before last. You know, they're just wiping teams away. They're not even like Sunday now, they didn't play that good, mm-hmm. but they put away every chance they had, like. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously some of that is on the Salah, like just playing absolutely unbelievable at the moment. Like Yeah. Um but like you said, I think when they bring players in, now it's fine if they have one injury, if it's just Trent is injured or if it's just Robertson with an injury or if it's just one of the lads in midfield. I don't know what the story with Kate is. Now I know he went off at the weekend. But um, like if, if they got a couple of them together, that is the problem, you know, because there's players slotting in there that you wouldn't regularly see in their lineup. Yeah. So obviously, like you said, with the likes of Man City, no one even knows what their starting lineup is because they have... 22 players there that you could put in and they don't look any different you don't know which is the better of the sides mm-hmm. and you have Chelsea as well who aren't even playing back in Kante at the moment yeah you know? there's just the abundance of talent those two teams right in terms of even just looking at their bench and their reserves so so yeah it's it's that's the part and parcel of a good league season as well like is to avoid injuries you saw Liverpool struggle last year when they started getting all these injuries so it kind of is kind of in terms of funding then as well. You're looking at your board and you're looking at how much you're going to get in transfer markets. But um, but yeah, it's going to be those top three and just see if United can get back into it. And you just mentioned a very, um, I suppose, in vogue term there at the moment, a bit of funding. There's one yeah. club that will probably have a lot more funding come January. Yeah, they'll have a all right. They'll have a couple of extra yards to draw people. Um, the Saudi takeover of Newcastle. What are your thoughts on that for the Premier League? Yeah, geez, it's a bit mad, right? You know, it is um, putting in comparison, what is it, 300 billion compared to the the lads who took over City there, like, who are 25, 30 odd billion, billion, whatever it was. It's, it's just astronomical money. But Newcastle itself is actually a massive club. Like, they're results in their form and their league position doesn't really show it but that city lives and breeds football the, the stadium St James's Park is in the middle of the city and literally all they do is live and breed and die football up there up the north but um do I I'd like to see it I li- I'd like to see another kind of team crack into um whatever it is kind of almost known now as the top six century of you kind of have um I'd know would you even include Arsenal and Leicester? I'd know what way you'd kind of alternate between the two there. 
Och sen, I love you och Arsenal are still a top six club. Would you put them in the top six? I'd put them in the top four, man. Would I buy a Sternor? Well, no, that stature, I suppose that stature-wise, look, I don't think you could take away from that they're probably still one of the biggest yeah, clubs they, they, in, they, in they, England. Yeah, they, right? they, they are a massive club, right? Um, it'd be nice to see them turn around a bit of form as well and, and come good. But, um, yeah, Newcastle coming back into it would be interesting. Um, they have... They have the financial backing anyway, but what is going to be like they have got rid of Steve Bruce anyway, so manager is out of the equation straight away. You know, in terms of um, that poor fucker got an awful doing, didn't he? He, like, did. he got an absolute roasting. He was made out to be an absolute potato on the sidelines. You know, in fairness, the man wasn't bad. Like you know, but he 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 actually had the same. He had a better win rate than what's his name, Rafa. Like, and Rafa was you know heralded as some sort of god. Mm. Like you know, just like, because I, of I suppose what he had done. Mm. Poor old Brucey, like he, he kind of gets the fucking short end of the stick everywhere he goes. You know, he does a good old job keeping everyone safe, like, and then they turn around and they give him a lash with it, like when he doesn't, when they, when they don't get into the top ten or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now yeah. I suppose, look, Newcastle do deserve to be kind of in the top ten anyway. You know, it's kind of the same as Leeds. You like to see them, you know, and Villa. You know, you like to see these old historic clubs like doing better. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, the tree, but it's kind of um. You just wonder what the kind of ramifications of the the actual Saudi consortium coming into the Premier League. It's just kind of now I know Ashley wasn't a traditional type of football club owner, but you have a complete degrading of the actual British base of like clubs owned by British people mm-hmm. in the Premier League. And look, I suppose that kind of fits in with the global view and the expansion of the Premier League, like which is probably going on 30 years now. But you also have a kind of degradation of the values that made it kind of I suppose, um, I'm not sure what tradition, you know, the tradition of the Premier League is very nice. Like you see it, you see them go to Europe and they're hammering in hard tackles and things like this, you know, and that's what's kind of special about the Premier League. I thought anyway, was kind of like how traditional it was compared to the other leagues. But Mm -hmm. I don't know, is that kind of being degraded? And obviously there was the Super League proposals a couple of months back as well. Mm -hmm. And all these boys are probably fucking running scared now when they see the Saudi government owning a club basically is what it is like, you know, pretty much. Yeah. Part and parcel. That's, that's what it is like. But, um, yeah, as you mentioned it there, like it was something I actually talked about in my own, um, on my own show was the kind of almost the, the greed coming into football, especially in the Premier League. You saw at that time with the, the Super League that the fans w- did not want anything to do with it. Like they could see, they could see money and, um, expanding value of a brand being almost put over football and what it means to the people of the area. Like, um, like I spoke about how I, I'd have a big interest in American sports in, um, NFL and NBA. And these owners, like they're coming from almost a situation where they're across the water. They're in these big massive leagues where, you just have 30 or 32 teams. You have franchises. That's what they're known as. They're franchises rather than um, rather than clubs you'd have in, in England. Um, and it's all about enhancing value, all about enhancing your brand to know to know your what you call your merchandise, your um, your to know your ticket sales, your 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 parking, to know anything like that, to know TV deals. It's all about enhancing value over in the states. And they, they never have to worry about such a thing as relegation or, you know, all these kind of incentives of making Champions League or, you know, winning a cup and, you know, all these kind of bits and pieces where they're just worried about year to year, their value. And, and you kind of saw that when the kind of almost the talk of the Super League came in about like these lads putting brand value and money ahead of what the traditional Premier League, as you said, represents and what football means to the people of Liverpool, of Manchester, of South and North London, you know, like there's people in these clubs that are probably there years, you you probably have kitmen, you probably have lads in the kitchen, you probably have physios who are, you know, their father might have worked there, their, you know, their grandfather might have worked there, you know, and, and week to week result means everything to them. And even you look at the kind of smaller clubs, you know, in the Premier League, say the dream, like even he had Leicester there now a few years ago, the dream of winning the league, the dream of going into the Champions League. If you brought in that Super League, what they were on about would have taken all that away, all that you know, dream and hope would have just gone to 
the big clubs with the big brands and like the the rich would have got richer and the poor would have gotten poorer so uh, i i thought that was great how they just like you know fans stood up for what they believed and then got rid of that but um it'll be interesting now right with with newcastle what way they'll go about it i suppose man city have nearly laid the foundations from they've given them almost the blueprint onto how to um you know invest in a club that pretty much is coming from lower table you know mediocrity you know man city owners you know looking away from like the players you know they spent what is it about 120 million in the first um transfer market they got they got the likes of Rubinho and Zabaleta and Joe and Shea Given and all these all these you know big names at the time but what they also did they invested massively into their academy and into the surrounding areas of Manchester you know they they really built it up from grassroots up so Newcastle will probably have to take the same approach obviously they're going to have priority is going to have to try and stay up this year they're they're not great at the moment now so they're going to have to spend a bit of money in January get a good manager in stay up and then build from there but geez wouldn't it be the funniest thing ever then if they ended up getting relegated this year and <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them like because well, there's a sense of it like um yeah and I suppose essentially as well what you could see happening as well with the Americanization, I suppose, inverted commas there now with that word of the the Premier League, you have kind of three or four of the top clubs like um, with the American owners, Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal. And you could like, you know, with the American sports, you see the franchises move from place to place. Now, I don't think these guys now, you know, unless they saw what the fans could do and they saw the fans breaking into Old Trafford and they had, you know, their protests outside the Emirates and Anfield and all these places. If that had not happened, you know, like what you could be looking at down the, down the line 10 or 15 years is if there was a high enough concentration of Man United supporters in Beijing, Old Trafford could have got wings and could have been moved over to Beijing. You know, you could be looking now. Yeah, yeah. That, like, that is worst case scenario, but they're, mm-hmm. like, that is kind of essentially what these billionaires do in America, isn't it? They just pick club up, move it, build a fucking... Uh, uh, a stadium in the desert or do up an old stadium 100,000 people packed into it load of room for parking and tailgating and there you have it new franchise that's it pretty much you you look at um there's a, a very historic franchise there the Oakland Raiders like massive franchise like if you you'd probably even see gear around the place with the the pirate hat and the you know the black swords and everything but um like up sticks there last year over to Vegas you know big new stadium get in loads of money you know forget about the lads in Oakland I don't care about them, you know. Let's move to Vegas. Let's make a bit of money. It, it's happening all the time in America. You see, Seattle lost a basketball team there. They're crying out for a basketball team there. They went to Oklahoma. You had the what's called the St. Louis Rams. They're gone over to LA, you know, big LA market. Same with San Diego. That's Mr. Cronky, isn't it? Cronky Rams. Rams, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's just all about trying to in, in, you know enhance your value of your club, make more money. Like they don't give an absolute rattling fuck. And no, I think next to next to the stadium or in St. Louis, you know, support him. You know, he just wants to think about the fella in Las Vegas or the fella in LA who's going to pay the two hundred dollar ticket. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, like there's a bit of a narrative around. Um, the Saudi takeover, obviously, there was the the first, I think, the first initial kickback, and that was to do with human rights um, and the actual thought that the Saudi government were going to have ownership over a club, which they didn't want. But I think it's actually a Saudi investment group, which the government runs, is now the crowd, I think it's a PIF or IFP or something like that, yeah. I think, own the club, technically. Now, this is still um, Bin Salim, I think. This guy still is the fella behind it all. But this is seen as kind of, I think, you know, a business venture to almost help people in the West look past the human rights infringements that the Saudi mm-hmm. government have been so like, um, I suppose, look the other way. You know, you have the Jamal Khashoggi guy who was killed in the Saudi consulate, like whether or not it was done by the Saudis is almost 100 percent true. I think nailed on fact, but they seem to look the other way. It's not them. But I think. There was I was reading up, there was a bit of a narrative surrounding this, that this is just a ploy. Like, imagine to buy a football club worth 300 million, a bit of a ploy, just so that they can kind of, you know, ease it over with people in the Western world. Like, you know, we are doing better, we are much better, you know, we are better people. But also, it's seen as, I think that, that, it, that 
you know, obviously because Saudi's the Saudi Arabia like is a massive country for oil and gas. But what you have now is obviously that's a finite resource, and they're going, they're looking for other ways to spend their money. And one of these is the massive projects for the renewables on the north, um, is Newcastle North, East or Northwest? I can't remember it, but they're in the north of England anyway. But they're very close to where these big projects, you know, offshore projects and some onshore projects of renewable energies are coming in. So this just gets them closer and closer to more of the stakeholders that will be involved in some of these big kind of capital projects as well. Like, So I think that was one of the big things as well, you know, that this isn't seen as, you know, a love for Newcastle. I mean, I'd be very surprised if Mr. Bin Salim supports Newcastle, like like the owners of Manchester City supporting Manchester City or the guys in Qatar supporting Man- or PSG. You know, like there's hidden agendas, it seems like, with a lot of these things like. Oh, there is, there is. There's a, there's a lot behind it as well. But I, I think Newcastle fans were almost just delighted to see Mike Ashley just get ousted. I, do, I don't care. I'd say they didn't care who came in. I'd say they were just so sick of Mike Ashley and the way he ran the club over there. Um, they just wanted him out. I, I remember what, one of my buddies there now went to a, went to a match a couple of years ago and he was like, the real diehards inside there. They don't buy any. They didn't. Well, they didn't. They didn't buy anything inside in the stadium because it was going straight into Mike Ashley's pocket. Like they weren't buying concessions inside in the stadium because they knew it was going into his pocket. They were supporting Newcastle purely for Newcastle Football Club. They didn't want to support Mike Ashley. So I think there was what was it a study done or you know um what you call it a poll uh, on what the Newcastle supported fan club, uh, what they thought of the takeover, 93%, I think, were in favour of it. So they're just looking purely at football, I think, in terms mm-hmm. of in terms of this. You know, they're, they're just, they want to see their club succeed. But uh, as you said, yeah, there, there probably is, there most definitely is a hidden agenda behind it to almost um, kind of take their sharp edge uh, or sharp image away. Um you know, to the Western society. So yeah, you're dead right there, I'd say. Mm. Um, I suppose we'll park that there and a bit of a 180 if you're comfortable with it. Um, Mr. Tyson Fury, Gypsy King. Yeah. yeah. And his, uh, ha- and I suppose not his hat trick of wins, but his his he two wins and it. his draw against the Bl- the bronze bomber. What do you, what do you make of this guy now, Mr. Fiore? Do you think that he, what's his legacy? Is he, does he go down as one of the best heavyweights in history? You'd have to, uh, to be honest, no, like I'd, um, I'd have a bit of an allegiance to Muhammad Ali. Myself and Muhammad were born on the same day. So, um, there you are, Mr. Clay. <laughs> he'll be, he'll be the greatest in my eyes, but, um, no, what you call it, Tyson Fury's story alone is just so, so interesting to know. You know, from getting to a level and then hitting literally rock bottom, as he he explained himself, to getting back up. And it almost all kind of came to kind of a point when he got knocked down, uh, wherever it is in that final round against Wilder in the first fight. It almost mm-hmm. kind of like, like it would make the perfect movie, you know, in terms of his career, his life. The fact that he got knocked down in that first fight, got absolutely pummeled into the face. And like he was literally panned out on the ground and he rose like the bloody Undertaker, you know, rose yeah, the out of the casket, like, like yeah. out of the casket, just rose up and then was still managing to get in a few jabs, get in a few shots, like to what was supposedly the best hard hitter in the heavyweight division. Like it, like the man is just you'd almost say superhuman you know because there's mm-hmm. none of this you know abs and bloody pecs and six packs in him it's just, it's just raw talent like and um no i'd be a big fan of his now and i was delighted to see him uh beat wilder the last day yeah even the way he moves around the ring like i think he's still why well, he's nearly 19 stone still like but he he moves like your fucking your your king there mr clay cassius clay <laughs> muhammad ali like he moves they say that he does move as close to him as a heavyweight boxer has done since he, since he's left that division mm-hmm. and for one of the heaviest guys since. That's mm-hmm. not you know that's not a that's not a, an easy feat. Like he's dancing around and you know I think as well he's 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 like he's he's so well taught as well because he's thinking constantly because I think he said there as well 
I, I can't remember if it was the first or the second fight, but after one of the rounds, he said he realized then that Deontay Wilder couldn't fight. He said all he could do or couldn't fight on the back foot. He could fight on the front foot, but he said all he could do was raise. He, like he actually made a joke out of it. He said, "What's he going to do? Follow me around with his fist raised for the for the twelve rounds?" Yeah, you know, which was quite right. And if you watch him in the rest of the fights, then now I'm not a big boxing fan, but I watched them all back the next morning or whatever because I wouldn't stay up and watch them. But what I found interesting was you can actually see a marked difference in the way he was performing once he knew that Deontay Wilder was um, he couldn't box moving backwards Mm -hmm. and look i think that just says mass uh, like it just says a lot more about being schooled from like a very young age because i think it's fairly well known that um deontay wilder like was quite old when he started boxing i think very old i think he was in his 20s nearly or something wasn't he yeah i'd say it started later right but um the man just had raw power about him you kind of have that um Thing, though with Tyson Fury he's coming from that gypsy background you know it, it's it's their nature you know this hand-to-hand combat it's it's what they're brought up on it's what their bread and butter is pretty much their boxing coming out of the womb like so yeah it, he he will have a legacy you know forever like I can't see anyone beat him he, he's probably going to have one or two more fights I'd say before he calls it off I'd imagine he probably will but um yeah I'd be a big fan of his knowing and was delighted to see him succeed You'd imagine if he gets his hands on Joshua at all. If I was Joshua, anyway, I wouldn't be going into that fight with Tyson no. Fury because that's just going to... I think every fight from now on, anyway, is going to be degrading Anthony Joshua because I don't think he's up to it really too much no. more. Now, I know Uzik was a good fighter, um, but you'd imagine like if he gets in the ring with Deontay Wilder, he's getting his chin broke straight mm-hmm. away. And Tyson Fury would probably tie with him a bit, to be honest, you know, the way that he fights. It might last a bit longer with Tyson Fury, but... You know, I don't think he's doing himself any justice by staying on. He should almost hang up the gloves, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> but like a lot of the things that Anthony Joshua there was, it, he was a pure thing that just born out of like Sky Sports promotion, you know. Fact, it, yeah. Him up to the last, you know, Eddie Hearn there now and everything made him out to be the best thing, just in sliced pan. But uh, he got found out against your man Ruiz and um, fellas were like, oh, that was pure fluke. He must have been sick or something like that, but. I found out the last day, you know, there again, and you know, it, like it's all glitz and glam with him. You know, it's the big show in Wembley. You know, he, I think he had nearly two walkouts the last time, and um, like he, he doesn't have it compared to like Fury. Fury's all, all, all game. You know, he's no show. Like he does know how to, how to bring a show. Like, but once he's in the ring, he's all action. You know, Anthony Joshua just doesn't look up to it. Doesn't look to the same standard at all. Hmm. Um. So yeah, and then you have. I just want to actually run something by you. What do you make of this kind of YouTube boxing? Do you think it's like there's? I think the latest kind of bit of gossip I've seen on it is Logan Paul is going to be taking on Mike Tyson next, awesome. and Jake Paul is going to be Tommy Fury. Now I know that's one that's kind of been going back and forth for a while. But mm. do you think this sort of shit is kind of degrading boxing, or do you think it's good? Because ultimately, we all know that boxing was in a bit of a shit show there for a couple of years. Like, there was no one really watching it. Now, I know the heavyweight division has kind of come back a bit, in fairness, mm-hmm. because of Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. But do you think that the likes of these guys coming in and just boxing MMA, ex-MMA fighters and 50-year-old, and I know he Logan fought, um, what's his name? Floyd. Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, yeah, did look, there's... Um... You can see you can see pros and cons for it. Like you know, obviously to the boxing purist, no, I wouldn't be a massive boxing purist or uh, boxing head myself, no. But like I'd say to fellas that live and breed it, I'd say it's killing him inside that this is what's being put to the forefront, you know, in the media and everything. Um, like I didn't mind the likes of McGregor fighting Mayweather, no, you know, because McGregor is well able to um, hold himself to a good uh, degree inside in a in a ring, you know, he's used to um, arm term combat, but these YouTube heads coming in now, all right, yeah, it is, it is degrading to the sport, I suppose, but it is giving it a bit of, um, you know, extra impetus and things to watch because the UFC pretty much did take over in terms of the bigger combat sport and, like, you know, MMA and everything. It, it did kind of almost take over as the bigger brand in terms of that. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't give it much time. I think, you know, them Paul brothers, they're just langers. Like, I, I have no time for them at all, like, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, like I just I think they have their heads so far stuck up their holes like you know they're not living in reality at all 
I know mm. no, it's a different world over there in America now, and they might you know it's all about clout chasing and everything over there. But no, I'd have no time for him here now as a West Cork man talking to you. <laughs> you couldn't be farthest from it. All you were waiting for was the bar to open once COVID hit. Yeah, but um, look, I suppose we leave it there. I think we're nearly on an hour anyway. Um, so um, thanks again. Um, Mr. Holland and I must say as well thank you for actually helping me get going on this and you were one of the first lads to text me and you know encourage me to do it um, and encourage me to stick with it and kind of give me a offer a hand which was very very useful um, so thank you for that sir yeah no bother at all and and you, you've had a few good ones to start now I know um, you've had uh, Dara and Decky and Dan you know um, mm. it's been brilliant the first few and like myself and Dara there now we're we're thick as thieves. We were landed in, in each other's um, dorms in first year in UL, you know, so um, he's probably one of the most interesting men you'll ever talk to. I know you said you'll try and get him on again. Like it's many a time myself and Dara have had a conversation at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning up in UL and we could have... I suppose you were as fresh as daisies for them oh, conversations. Oh, no doubt, no doubt, yeah. Um, Say in mind, but no, he's he's a, he's a great man to get back on again now and your brother obviously... Um, heaps of intelligence now as well um by the sounds of them and um and dan dan's one was was extremely enlightening you know um to just show the struggles and everything that uh, that aspect of life would go through you know so you you have um you have a nice base made for yourself you have a lot of ways you can take this thing and um i wish you all the all the best with it man and hope you um succeed going forward with it all right thank you very much for the wise words mr holland thank you mr uh, Holland. I reckon we'll probably do it again, will we? We might do this, or you know, in the sporting world, things change by the day, by so you never know. There's always a bit of there's always a bit of news. There is, there is. We'll talk. Do you, do you want to let people know the name of your podcast there again and when it drops as well, just for yeah, yeah. Reference? Um, it, it would be uh, over the bar, so um, you can either listen to it on West Cork FM uh, at eleven o'clock on a Saturday morning or. Uh, if you're busy on a Saturday morning or anything, it's on Spotify then from 12 on a Saturday, just over the bar. All right. Thank you very much, Sean Allen. Take Love care. Yourself. Take care.